Doctor. I'm a Time Lord. I'm from the planet Gallifrey in the constellation of Castelbereth. I hope the ears are a bit less conspicuous this time. You might be a Doctor, but I am... I'm a doctor. That's probably not the one you expect. Absolutely fantastic. All of time and space, everything that ever happened or ever will. Where do you want to start? Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Big Hot on the Inside, the new Who Doctor Who Watch Long podcast. I'm Tim Saxby. I've been here every week like a faithful hound. Unlike Harry Murdoch, who has decided that this week he had better things to do than come and talk to you lovely guys about love and monsters. Um, I, actually, I think he's rehearsing for a play. I generally don't know what he's doing, but he couldn't make it. So I had to get um, creative. I asked Ace Creeper. I asked Channel Pub. I asked Hoovy and Chaser, but they have blocked me on Instagram and every social media account. Um, so as always... Um, like a weird cousin, you just can't let go. Um, hello, Harrison. How are you? <laughs> I'm very sorry, I'm, just, I'm trying to breathe. Um, hi, hello. I am here. Yes, I am the um, I'm yeah, I'm the Harry replacement. Yeah, I'm the poor man Harry. I've, I was also say that me and Harry normally record these 8 p.m. on a Monday evening. Uh, I've been at work Ooh. this evening, so it's now 11pm at night, and I think we're both slightly deluded, I'm incredibly tired, I don't even have my tea yet, um, but no. if you're here for the Love and Monsters um, watch-along segment, that will come in at around the half-hour mark, as always, oh. but before that, me and Harrison, I put a thing out on Instagram, bigger on the inside pod, or maybe just bigger on the yeah. pod, it's in the description, um, about what companions we would love to see return to Doctor Who. We had some, uh, so uh, well, I asked, What do you want us to talk about? I said, Do you want to talk us about companions returning, or do you want to talk about something else? Can you remember what the other thing was? What was the other thing? Um, what was the other thing? I don't know if it was like about the TARDIS interiors or whatnot. I can't like, remember, I can't remember now, but anyway, whatever it was, you, sure. guys, you guys decided you wanted us to talk about returning companions, so I sent Harrison a thing. Asking him to talk, uh, list several companions he would like to see return yes. to Doctor Who. And the first one on your list is Lady Christina de Souza. Have I said that right? Yes. From so, yeah. um, Planet, I want to say Planet of the Dead. Planet is that of, it? Yeah, it's Planet of the Dead, but Tenant, yeah. Yeah, so. Um, yeah. Go for it. So, yeah, I mean, um, I liked her. Um, yeah, there you go. That's it. <laughs> no, I'm I, not many kid. But um, so, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Go for it. No, sorry. I mean, um, so I'm aware just because I know it's going to come up in the comments. So oh, actually, she already returned in the audios, which I know, I know. Okay, hold your horses. But it'd be great to have her return um on live action because it's you know because a majority of the audience aren't gonna aren't aware of her return in audio and it's if anything it kind of makes her with her obviously opting to drive off um so i would like it to return i was like i liked her like as a character um yeah. and i believe she was able to interact like awesome you know when it comes to tenants so it'd be really cool for her to return and perhaps interact with a of incarnation have Jody. you listened to any of her big finish stuff have you listened to that 
Uh, I haven't, if I'm honest, but I have heard the reviews for it on, on like all great. But um, I've, I have it on the list of like 800 others I need to listen to, but it's on there. I wonder if her moment to return has gone. I think that she shouldn't have to return because I feel like if David had done a fourth season, she would have been a great constant okay. companion, a constant companion you to the know tenth what? Doctor. Yeah. I prefer that actually. Actually, I do prefer that because you know we've only actually opted to have her on, like you know, in the year only with Tennant, like only with him. And yeah. I'm aware we've like had like other companions that have interacted with other incarnations, like of the Doctor. But yeah, I, I would image that. I, I mean, only because we've only had her and him on screen together that you know we are aware they interact with each other and they kind of they're like you know they have a connection. Etc. So I would actually agree with you. I would rather have her only with Tennant actually in her own like era with him rather than perhaps just returning for like at like you know like an episode of yeah. one like a one off. Yeah, a, a fourth series story would have been cool with the two of them because I like the idea that they could have. I feel like if they had been a partnership on the show, it would have been mm. a more intense love dynamic than Tennant Rose. I feel like after yeah. losing Rose, the Tenth Doctor would quickly have not wanted to let um, Christina get away. So he maybe would have confessed his love to her very early. And perhaps I, what I'm imagining for a, maybe a, fo- uh, a fourth and this a fifth is your series, isn't it? yeah, is that perhaps the two of them could have even hooked up, and then she would have been killed off, and then that would have been a good way of turning David Tennant into that the Time Lord victorious. so you would have brought it (laughs) back to what we saw at the end of time but it would have been uh, okay you know what i mean it would have been set up differently right blimey um i hear you um yeah i mean if anything if i'm I'm trying to think other areas we can include her in you know i'm in the capaldi era you know that um i forget the name the episode are you but you know the heist war, you know, like... Oh, um, uh, yeah, time, it's time, time heist. heist. Yeah, yeah time heist. Be. That would have been awesome with her, because it's like her as a companion is kind of like, you know, you know, a set of things, so... Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> okay, the next one, you've got another one on your list, but I'm going to come back to it. So I'm going to skip one and go to... Yeah, hold it to last, hold it to last. Yeah. Is Ace, by so- played by one. Sophie Aldrin, who I yes. would love to see return, I think me and Harry spoke about it, um... Yeah. One reason I would love to see Ace return is because obviously we, we, Sarah Jane can't return. Elizabeth Sladen has passed mm. away, and they subsequently in the last twelve months they um, killed yeah. the character off as well in that really great audio adventure on the Doctor YouTube channel. And at the end of that, mm. it's revealed that K Nine goes to live with Ace. So I think a yeah. really co- if they were to bring Ace back, that would have been a really cool way of acknowledging Sarah no longer being around, and maybe just have mm. some essence of her back in the show yes. and also to have Ace there as well with K9, that would be great mm. Yeah, so I was just on about, yeah, like how you kind of managed to hit the hammer on the head there, where like I agree with you, like after she managed to pass on, they haven't they haven't almost like held up like um, her in the show or the continuity, so it'd be really great to like have them return, and like Ace as well as a companion I love, like yeah. I would argue that Ace I actually prefer Ace over like a majority of the companions we actually have in New Who's because yeah. I believe that Ace was almost in a way able to create the companions in New Who, where like the companions have an arc and yeah. you know, and that happened right at the end of the classic era. So I would uh, like I would go absolutely like like just out of my head if Ace returned. It would just 
honestly up to be incredible. And like Ace has got an edge to her as well. Yeah. You know, like um Ace is like, you know, she's not just kind of like the average like a companion, like, you know, I'm like, oh no, like I'm in a like oh no, it's an alien, like I'm in a corridor on track. <laughs> like, you know, like there was an episode I think in Classic Era where like Ace was like able to hit like I don't know if she had a hammer or something, but she was like opting to go at it on like was it Oh, she has a Dalek baseball bat. Yeah, yeah, baseball bat. Yeah. She? she destroys the Dalek in. I love that scene. Yeah, yeah, it's great, yeah. Um, yeah, I think I think it's about time that the show harkened back to Classic Who. It's been a long time since yeah. had, since anyone from the previous incarnation of the show has returned. Like Sarah returned. Um, the Doctor phones up the Brigadier to find out he's passed away. Yes. The fourth Doctor sort of returns. But to actually have an episode... Yeah, kind of. An episode where something actually happens to do with Classic Hill would be great. I would like that a lot. I would argue at the moment in Doctor Who, we are kind of like returning to Classic, but it's not Classic Who, it's more the Classic of the New Who. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. We should do a video on that. That'd be interesting. Okay, next yeah. up you have so, what is, I'm going to say it, my favourite companion in New Who, Wilfred oh, yeah. I love yes. Bernard Cribbins as Wilfred. He's amazing. Um, he was at a convention not that long ago, well, um, over a year ago now. Oh, no, it was actually nearly yeah. three years ago that I was at. And I was like, oh, should I go and meet him? But I just didn't have time. But Wilf no. was an amazing character. I loved Wilf so much because he was like, the relationship he had with David's doctor was very father son esque, but not mm. like batting heads father son almost like really no. impressed dad of a fa- of a son you know what i mean yeah i honestly mate i completely i hear you on that yeah like he was great and it's like it is like in terms of when it comes to new who i would hold him kind of higher than a couple of companions that have had like a long time i'd hold him higher than clara mm. and obviously if you compare the time that each of them had he only had what like he was like in the end of time and then he was what um in the runaway bride yeah um oh, no, like, he wasn't you know, in the he wasn't like, in the runaway bride he was in the voyage of the dam that was it sorry yeah. yeah that was it but um yeah it's just like it's crazy like he is a character like he is incredible and i love him you know and like um and he's you know he if anything he's had a huge like as part to play in the life of the doctor you know like in, you know, obviously he managed, he was the cause, obviously, in like, of the tenant to change. Mm. Um, and obviously, I don't, like, I don't blame him because it's him. So, I mean, I would have changed to him, you know, of course, I would have easily have opted to hand up my life for him. But yeah, I completely agree. I love this man. I want him. Yeah. I, I, I just want him back. <laughs> and the next one on your list as well, I definitely want to see back. I think me and Harry talked about this briefly is Susan, played by Caroline Ford. Now, yeah, I feel right. This is my just the way I'm looking okay. At well, it, I hear is, you out. I hear you out. Is if Sue, I would love, love, love Susan to return, but I feel like the perfect time for her to have returned was with Peter Capaldi. That would have been amazing to see the two of those together. Ooh. No, but, I hear you. I actually hear you out. But now that yeah, after you, I, I'm just trying to be careful how I word this. Now that the Doctor is played by Jodie. And I feel that bringing Susan back and it not being her grandfather, but it being her grandmother Mm. would be too much of a episode 
discussion. It would take. I feel it would take up too much of the episode and possibly take away from a granddaughter, grandfather love. Not to say that she wouldn't love Jodie as much as she loved jo- the, the the Jodie's incarnation as much as she loved Hartnell's incarnation because they're yeah. family. But I feel if you really want to play with it super well and pull at people's heartstrings and make a really great story with it, the dynamic should be grandfather, granddaughter, not granddaughter, grandmother. Mm. But that's not to say it couldn't work. That's just yeah. my view on it. And that's not me no, saying... No, no, true, true. That's not me saying a woman shouldn't be the doctor and Jodie Whittaker should leave. Mm. I'm not saying any of that. I'm saying if they're going <laughs> to do this particular story, maybe hold yeah. off a few years. Or big finish it with Peter Capaldi in five years. Yeah. No, no, true, true. I mean, yeah, it, it, you know, if I'm honest, I would agree, because it's always kind of been like, you know, in the history um, and all that, like, she's always opted to call him that, like, you know, like, it's my grandfather, like, hey, grandfather, yeah. you know, so yes, obviously, I mean, I'm aware um, it would obviously have the chance to work with her, you know, but it would, like, I agree with your point where like if this came on like on telly on the screen in an episode a majority of the community would be in the comments that oh wow like it's a bit odd this yeah um but i mean it, it like it would be great for it to happen because i honestly believe that it was already going to happen you know like um who's the timeless child and I, I, I instantly believe that oh my god it's going to be susan susan's coming that back would be cool, but, yeah um yeah, I mean, um, and if anything, like, um, after what's happened, you know, when it comes, like, um, you know, at, you know, in, in the history, at, at, you know, at the moment, when it comes to what's, you know, like, hundreds of incarnations that we have now, of, you know, of the character, of the Doctor, uh, I mean, who knows if there's other, incar- you know, of who he's related to, his granddaughter, yeah. perhaps there's other incarnations out there of Susan, I don't know. Perhaps, perhaps. Now, um, the last one on your list, well, it's not the last one, it's the second one, because yes. I thought it was interesting to talk about, isn't even from Doctor yes. Who. Um, Clyde mm. and Rani from the Sarah Jane Thank Adventures. You. So two questions. One, why? Second question, yeah. why no Luke? Why no Luke Smith? Okay, interesting. All right, no, okay, I hear you, I hear you. Right, so out of everyone we've talked about at the moment on this list, I would absolutely have, like, with Clyde and Rania as my highest. I really want these characters to return. And, um, yeah, so here's why. Just because if anyone has ever had the ch- if anyone has ever had the chance to watch any episode of Sarah Jane Adventures, like, all these characters are just amazing. Like, I love Clyde Langer. He is, like, one of the most underrated companions in all of canon of Doctor Who. I mean, and he's relatable because, you know, he's, like, I mean... He's why I care about him a lot, and Rani as well. Like, you know, as a kid, when you're growing up and you're having to watch Sarah Jane Adventures and you're going, I want to be Clyde, I want to be Rani, like, I want to be out with them and their humour and how they interact with the aliens, etc. And just how they're just like, it's not as if they're only opting to go like on the journey just because like uh, they want to encounter aliens and that. It's just because they have kind hearts and they're just, they're just awesome characters. And as well, I want to see your um, other question there um, also as well. Um, he was in all the episodes, like only for Luke. Like, I mean, he's great, but I would just argue that because he's like, he's, you know, he's, um, I forget what actually happened to him, but I know he's like, but he goes he's to really university. smart. He's kind of over. Yeah, he, he's at uni, but obviously he's very intelligent, perhaps a bit over intelligent. So hence uh, why I'd be a bit hesitant to have him perhaps interact like or with the doctor just because they're kind of on an equal 
and I always I'm well here's my opinion I always kind of like opt to have like the companions aren't as intelligent as the doctor hence yeah. why the character is like always in control of the situation but yeah. that's the take I've got on it no I agree I think that's interesting it's not what I've seen online but I do think like I said I with um with Ace is that there should definitely yeah. be a return or some sort of reference or just fuck it, just mention that um, Sarah Jane Adventures universe. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm trying to think if I've got any that I haven't been said. I, I really like Wilfred. Ooh, I like Ace. Um, okay, I'll throw a few right at you. Then? See what you say. I'll just throw a few. <laughs> what do you think of Amy returning? Uh, also, ooh, sit okay. back That's and interesting. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, in terms of Amy returning, um, I would. I don't know. I'm actually a bit half and half in it. Only she doesn't because, know that like, the doctor can regenerate. That is a really good point. To be fair, um, it'd be interesting. But also, I would. I would. I would. Out of everyone we've talked about, I'd rather have any like of. Of the 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 the, the, the him, if I'm honest, only yeah. like only just because Amy's kind of like had her ear on the show. All these other companions are kind of. I feel like she overstayed her welcome as well, slightly, and also with yeah, Clara. Yeah, like I would agree, but mm. I like Amy as a character. And if it happened, obviously I'd be like, oh my god, Amy's it would, back. It would like, be you know, cool to maybe bring Amy back into the show, and she spends an episode with the Doctor, but she doesn't know it's the Doctor. She, Jodie Whittaker Ooh, never okay. says that. She never because obviously she doesn't know the Doctor can regenerate. Um, yeah. She doesn't know, you know, as far as she's aware, it always looks like Matt Smith. Uh, but does hmm? The, she hmm? must know what? the Doctor can regenerate. Does she never see like a picture of like Hartnell or Tennant or anything like that? No way. Um, I don't oh, know if it the eleventh hour. One, like... When he, when like that big eye is projecting all different versions of the Doctor. Oh yeah, and then he, yeah. Matt Smith walks mm. through at the end. But maybe she oh, doesn't know what that on, was because yeah. it was so early on. I don't know. Also, I might just add to your point. Would you only have Amy return or Amy and Rory? I don't really care. <laughs> what is what's wrong with Rory? I, I like Rory, but I don't really care if he's there or not. It's not going to make that much of a what? difference to me. <laughs> <laughs> there you guys um, thanks my for... channel. my channel my channel <laughs> <laughs> um, guys we just you know just riffed a little bit about companions let us know in the comments what companions you would like to see subscribe um, coming up next you're going to be able to listen to me and, and Harry he's back thank god talk about lover monsters <laughs> also this week I've completely forgot to say um, our interview with William Grantham aka Channel Pup, the creator of the Absorbal of the Blue Peter competition winner. Our interview with him mm. goes up later on this week. I should have mentioned that at the top of the show. I must remember it next week. Um, so keep an eye out for that. I believe that comes out if you listen to this on the date, because like, if you listen to this on Tuesday the 23rd, um, the 24th of February is when you will be able to hear that, I think. Don't hold me to that. Also, mm-hmm. check out our Twitter on the 24th because I might announce something fun that we can all take part in if people are interested. If, if they're not, it's going to be really embarrassing. So uh, thank you for helping me out on this, hopefully, dear God, one-time um, opportunity, Harrison. 
Uh, I appreciate well, it. Well, you know what? Having this opportunity is it may it was have changed my life. Oh, I can't put this. Oh, I've muted him. That's good. Now, 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 none of us can hear him. Oh, that's amazing. Anyway, as I was saying, thank you very much for listening, everybody. And oi, ah, can you can unmute yourself? <laughs> oh wait, you snake. Oh my, wait, 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 wait. Oh, I'll ask you something off camera because I might have done something in, in an online lecture today that might not have worked. Now that you've just revealed, you can unmute yourself. But um, thanks very much for listening, guys, and enjoy the rest of the episode. Shut up! Shut up! Shut the up! Pop up! This is a command from the Daleks. All listeners are demanded to subscribe to our Patreon. Subscribe or you will be exterminated. Seek, locate, subscribe. What's the point in having you all? Again. Now I'm recording. Now I can pretend that we didn't just mess that up. Ha! That was um, some good or bad news there, Harry, depending on what was yeah, man, just it's, said. It's crazy the Doctor Who news that's coming out right now. Like, you, you don't know what's going to happen unless it's really predictable, in which case... I mean, I said it was going to happen, didn't I? <laughs> you did. I remember you saying just the other week to me, not on the podcast, of course, you said, I bet, duh, and then look, it's happened. So... Yeah, unless it didn't happen, in which case it did not, and it was totally unpredictable. I know, well, that's what you said. You said it's so predictable that it probably won't even happen. But by that yeah, very nature, it, it therefore was going to happen. Because that would have been the opposite yeah. of what the BBC wanted everybody to think. It's a crazy world out there, Doctor Who. Crazy. Yeah, man. Can't keep track of it. Another thing that's crazy is what I'm going to say now is the best episode of Doctor Who Series 2 Love and Monsters by... Oh, no, sorry. Harry, uh, we're back. We're doing a watch-along. Um, series 2, episode 10. What's it called? Love and Monsters by Russell T. Davis. And yeah. I think you were about to say... <laughs> I think it's the best episode of Doctor Who series 2. You know what? Um, I've not rewatched Doomsday yet. Mm. Um, I'm inclined to uh, agree with you there. I know this episode um, gets a lot of... Um, I don't necessarily know if it's hate or if people just fit, trash it and then love it because it's rubbish. But I generally just like it because I feel there's a lot to really like about this episode. I'm the same. I unironically think that this is a really great episode. Mm. And I do agree with you. I think this is the best episode of Series 2. There's a lot to love about it. Yeah. Um, you know? Uh, so let's start at the very start. I, I really like the opening with the whole bucket situation. We're very quickly thrown into a, a scenario where we don't know what's going on. Um, it sort of reminded me a slight little bit of Rose where we're very quickly introduced to the Doctor. We have no idea what's going on. But this time, obviously, we can't do that. So it's now through Elton's eyes, played by the amazing Mark Warren, who um, we're just suddenly embraced into this world of Doctor Who. We don't know what's going on. And which is quite refreshing as a viewer when you're 10 episodes into a second series to suddenly not know what's going on. What did you think about that? I thought that was great. I think that um, it kind of was a kind of very good time to kind of take a step back from 
you know, the madness and the adventures of Rose and her doctor and to actually take that outsider's perspective. I especially like the um, scenes of kind of the different alien invasions that had occurred all from his perspective. Um, yeah. Your Thomas Hunt's attacking, um, the Slovene, of course, um, the Christmas invasion, and seeing that all just from some regular guy's point of view was great. Yeah. That's something I really like about this episode, is it's it's not necessarily a non-linear story, but it's it doesn't follow the same conventional approach of a Doctor Who story. So it is really refreshing, the whole idea of Elton telling you this via basically a vlog, and he's intercut bits of ELO and Elton John. And the way it's cut, like the way the actual episode is cut of him explaining, and that's how I met Jackie Tyler, and that's how I met Victor Kennedy, and that's how I met the Doctor. How that's all cut is very much like how a YouTube video today is cut. Yeah, and this, I mean, YouTube was a thing when this came out because this was 2006, so YouTube Hmm. had been around for a year. But I don't know, were video logs, vlogs a thing by that point? I don't know. I don't necessarily think so. If they were, I don't think it was to that extent. I think it was more, I'm now going to film Jack using his moped to spin this roundabout about in a park sort of thing, Mm. or someone doing a big jump or something. I don't think it was, hi guys, welcome back, like, subscribe. It wasn't even like back then in YouTube. It was, you could leave a a rating out of five stars. (laughs) Um. But yeah, so I like the fact he was doing vlogs before Ryan. Oh yeah, yeah. I I always forget that. I always forget the woman who fell to Earth opens with Ryan doing that vlog thing. How old was Ryan? Ryan's meant to be nineteen, so he was so yeah. twenty twenty minus nineteen. He was born in two thousand one. It'd be twenty seventeen, wouldn't it? Because that's when Series Eleven came out. Oh my goodness, yeah. 2017 minus 19. So, yeah, born 1998, so the same year as myself. Um, so, yeah, he would have... <laughs> Ryan would have just been a little kid whilst Elton was already breaking new ground with the internet. Mm. I mean, that being said, there's also a big question of, because obviously when we get to Series 5 and all the stuff with the crack and how exactly time and continuity works, like would Ryan have even existed in the timeline that we're currently following? That is, that is so <laughs> far ahead that I don't even understand it. And I know we've mentioned it before. I've You're the one who brought up Ryan. You're the one who brought up Ryan. <laughs> and it, another thing that I really like about this is even though we get so little of the Doctor and Rose, it's that opening sequence with Ten and Rose. I think that's the most Tenth Doctor thing we've seen him do so far. Yeah, I kind of know what you mean. Yeah, there's a real kind of that iconic now kind of 10th Doctor energy about him. Yeah. Kind of just in the action, the heat of the moment, having a real back and forth with Rose. Um, in a way, it very much reminded me of kind of scenes between um, kind of him and uh, Donna down the line. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah it does actually, yeah, because it's more, it's just, it does come across in that instance that he's just two mates mucking around mm. and it seems like the romantic yeah. interest of the Doctor and Rose sort of maybe disappeared. To say that this is yeah. this is the Doctor Light episode of this series. The previous one was um Father's Day. This is this is this year's Doctor Light. To, for it to be a Doctor Light episode, at no point really watching it do I ever sort of go, Where's the Doctor? I'm never asking where he is or what he's up to or why we mm. it doesn't feel like an episode where he's that absent. 
because I'm so engaged in this new story of these new group of friends. Absolutely, absolutely. And before we move on to his friends, I just want to ask, of that opening scene with the Doctor and Rose, I was wondering, what are your thoughts? Because this is one of the things I've heard criticised by people who are less keen on this episode. Um, what do you think of the whole um, Scooby-Doo tribute with the Corridor? I like it. It's a bit of fun. Um, for, a pra- for, for, for a viewer, it's just a throwaway fun gag where I did see mm. it and I thought Scooby-Doo straight away. But then, as a production point of view, I sort of watched it. It's not exactly perfect. There's bits where people's shadows haven't exactly cleared the shot before it's cut and they're running back in. So suddenly there's like a shadow halfway out of a corridor and then it just disappears as Rose comes running back in from the other side. But apart from that, I think it's fun. It's just daft, isn't it? It's Doctor Who. There's something stupid in every Doctor Who episode that you sort of could pick apart, but uh, it it works. From Elton's point of view as well. Mm, that's what I was about to say, because people complain about this being a bit like kiddie and silly. But number one, Doctor Who has a large audience, which is children. So that, you know, makes sense. Mm. And secondly, it is from Elson's perspective. Like this isn't this isn't even like Elson with a camcorder recording it. This is Elson recording it as he mem- remembers it. Yeah. And to him, seeing two people chasing around a monster probably would remind him of Scooby-Doo. Hence why it's shown to us in that way. Yeah. Uh, I really like the character of Elton. I think he's really fun. And something I thought of when watching this was, I think it'd be really cool if Elton came back just for one episode. <laughs> oh, I'm not sure about that. Why I'm not, not sure about that? Is it because he's dating because the I... pavement slab? No, so I, I, I love Elton. Quick, here comes Elton, and he's running with a pavement slab under his arm. He's always it's out of breath. It's not that at all. I, I think Elton's a brilliant character. Um, my reason is that I feel like his interest and in the Doctor and the whole world of aliens and monsters has kind of been fulfilled by the end of his story, that he's kind of got the answers and the adventure that he's looking for yeah. so that he wouldn't want to be part of another adventure. He wouldn't want to come back. Yeah. Okay, I see what you're, see what you're saying though, yeah. Um, a big reason I really like this episode is I personally... And I hope a lot of people listening to this also are big fans of ELO. So the inclusion of so much amazing ELO music throughout this episode, I just love it. I think it's great. The opening sequence of him dancing to Mr. Blue Sky, and then they're all singing Don't Bring Me Down. It's just great. Yeah, and I think, am I right in saying that um, this is kind of before kind of ELO and Mr. Blue Sky especially had kind of a big resurgence? Because it was kind of... In the mid-2010s, I remember that song suddenly getting way more airtime and being way more popular. And then Guys of the Galaxy Volume 2 used it, and then it had um, you know, a bit of a resurgence internationally. Yeah. But this is before any of that. Yeah, I've always loved the ELO from, uh, from maybe about the age of seven. ELO and Queen were like, my dad used to play those in the car, so that's where I really sort of discovered ELO. But yeah, I remember vividly being at school and I had been to see an ELO tribute concert with my dad the night before. And, and like uh, the teacher, like asking everybody what they'd been up to. I was like, Oh, I did this. And she like, I remember like her looking at me like, that's weird. <laughs> Not weird to go see an ELO tribute, but for like a seven year old to want to go and see mm. an ELO tribute concert. And it was great. I, I didn't realize that ELO were a type of band that 
could have tribute concerts. That's only something you associate with, like... (laughs) They're called the ELO Experience, if anyone's interested. I think I've seen them twice. Wow. Are they, like, kind of, like, the ELO (laughs) tribute band? I think they are. I mean, I got to see... I don't know if you remember, but Jeff Lynne's ELO came to um, the KC Stadium in Hull about three or four years ago. I went to go and see them there. That was great. I remember... Yeah, I remember you telling me about that. Yeah. It was the day after our uh, sixth form... Uh, oh, no. I don't, I, I don't even think I knew you when I went to see that gig. No, no. You, what year was it? I think it was the day... It was either the... No, yeah, I will have known you, actually. Yeah, it was the day after our sixth form prom. Yes, you definitely yeah. knew because I was on your, the same table as you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, no, I couldn't, I, I couldn't remember if it was our sixth form prom or our year 11 prom, but I know I didn't know... Yeah, that's why... No, I remember. I remember that boring night. Anyway, <laughs> uh, proms are boring, <laughs> let's face it. They're so boring. I mean, it, you, I don't... I was a, Would you do it again? I honestly can't remember anything... No, I can't. ...that happened. Like, I remember the prom photos, but like, outside of that, I can't remember anything that happened. Only no. the stuff that's documented photographically yeah. yeah i remember there being like a photographer with like a box of props but i only remember that because i've recently seen those photos mm. anyway love and monsters love and monsters um oh yeah this is a doctor who podcast <laughs> um we may as well do you want to talk about the linda or do you want to go into the absorbal of peter k what do you want to do first oh no no we, we have to spend some time talking about linda okay i like linda i think it's a really good fun network of people i also like to think that outside of this linda there are other linda groups around the world mm. who have had interactions with the doctor and just sort of knuckle down and try and find out what's going on yeah and i i believe that this is intentional kind of linda i think is meant to kind of be a metaphor for doctor who fandom mm. in general and of how um groups of people maybe people who were a bit misfits like some of the members of linda are were able to find each other through their kind of shared experiences of in the show the doctor in real life doctor who and then able to form kind of really genuine friendships and friendship groups based around that i thought that was a really kind of sweet tribute to it what a bunch of nerds wouldn't catch us doing anything like that would you oh god who'd watch a kid's show about aliens nerds i'd like to see big finish do linda pick up the linda story maybe fill in the gaps between when we first saw them as in the linda group which we see yeah yeah you know like they meet up weekly maybe just do like a month's worth of big like linda stories or a year or something like that so just almost like very kind of laid back like one location almost plays of just like these group meetings and chatting therefore you could have like members of linda going i saw the dot saying such and such and that would therefore be a the, the the location would be somewhere that you we would see throughout series two. I saw the Doctor, and he was a tyrannical dictator and fighting Daleks. That's right, it's part of Time Lord Victorious. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's tied in. You can't escape it. It's all Time Lord Victorious, Tim. <laughs> I really I want to go more into Linda, but I feel like to go into Linda, we have to go into. Elton's friendship relationship with Jackie. Oh yes, that was a great part of the episode. Yeah, first of all, Elton and Jackie uh, seem like a perfect match. 
romantically or friendship wise? Uh, well, see, when I wrote that note, <laughs> I forgot what was coming. Um, in hindsight, I think they could have got along. They seem to get along very well in the laundrette. Um, they seem to get along very well when Elton takes his top off. He seems very into Jackie when he says, and it's about to get hotter. Um, no, nah, I didn't. Really... <laughs> he seems that was jo- him entirely putting on an act. <laughs> I don't know, but they looked like they would make a good couple. Interesting, interesting. I always kind of read it as just much more of a mates thing. Yeah, um, I do. I do like the way though that he quickly sort of realizes that he doesn't want to just use Jackie to find out where the doctor is. That he does actually. That's why I maybe thought that you know there is a possible match there that he does actually start to like her. But there seems to be a conflict between mm. him liking Jackie and also him liking Ursula. Yeah, absolutely. But I feel like it would have been better with Jackie. I don't know why. I don't know. I mean, we have more of a connection to Jackie. We've already expressed our kind of how much we like Jackie as a character. So maybe we just want her to be happy. Yeah. And I I really felt it when she has that breakdown outside Mm -hmm. and where she basically admits that um, she's been left behind. I think it's a really Mm -hmm. nice scene and it was quite nice to... Because even Mickey's not there now. Mickey's gone. So it's just Jackie yeah. on her own. And I think that's something that Russell's done really well throughout these two seasons is sort of nailing down that people do get left behind and what the actual effects of travelling with the Doctor has, not only on the people inside the TARDIS, but people outside of it as well. Yeah. One thing that this episode actually brought up, which I found interesting, was that it showed kind of from Jackie's perspective a scene where she has a phone call with Rose. Yeah. And that's interesting because whenever we're following Rose and the Doctor, you never see any of that. But no. I and because of that, you kind of assume that Rose has for the most part just completely neglected her home life. But the fact that she did, you know, in this episode phone Jackie kind of makes you wonder, okay, maybe Rose isn't as, you know forgetful of a daughter yeah. as we might have assumed. Yeah, I also feel like maybe it's just a coincidence that she happened to phone at that exact time because she does say she phones but not as often as she would like her to. Mm, yeah, true. I mean, that being said, within this episode, she definitely phoned Rose twice or Rose phoned twice because there's a scene we see, and obviously when we see Rose and Doctor later, it's obvious Rose has spoken to Jackie in yeah. between those two times. Yeah. Um, I wish we did get to see more of their relationship of Elton and Jackie. I feel like they actually, when he was just coming over all the time to change fuses, um, mm. I feel like they was probably just quite good mates. And it would have been good to see them sort of just palling around and doing fun stuff. Big finish. Yeah, exactly. I would love that so much. I know when I said it a second you want ago. Big finish of the most, <laughs> we want big finish of the most mundane things. <laughs> I would to, without sounds. I, I don't want to disregard anything Big Finish done. But if Big Finish were to bring out, let's say, their out of time to David Tennant, Peter Davison, or Linda, I would much rather listen to Linda. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that kind of speaks volumes about kind of the world of Doctor Who, and that kind of every showrunner and writer they just expand it and expand it and it's just such a big wealth of material and characters some of which you only see for one episode it's similar to Star Wars in that sense that you could explore the world infinitely yeah, really 100%
Um, we'll go straight into it. Peter K as the Absorbaloff. Um, I mean, he's great, right? Do we want to give some uh, context to the Absorbaloff to anyone who doesn't know how okay. they came into being? So the Absorbaloff was a character that was designed by a child, uh, William Graham, our grandfam. I think his last name is William, um, who was on Blue Peter, who did a children's competition to design a new Doctor Who monster, and the winning design would therefore get featured in the second series of Doctor Who. Now, watching Confidential, I also learned that at the same time, Peter Kay was very keen on joining Doctor Who for an episode, and when he heard about this competition and he saw what the winner was, he wanted to play the Absorbaloff. Um, the original design is fairly similar to what is actually on screen. Have you seen that original kid's drawing? Yeah, I think I have, and it is a pretty faithful adaptation, yeah. like the cane and everything. Yeah, the only thing Russell said was, on the day they showed the kid the costume, is the kid suddenly said, "How?" I think he said something like, how have they made it as big as a double-decker bus? And the costume guy was like, you what? He's like, oh, I always imagined it to be like as big as a double-decker bus. And they was like, well, you, didn't, you didn't write that down, you didn't say that, you've never said that one. So like this kid, but apparently the kid, there's the video you can see it of him first meeting Peter K in the costume. It's great. Yeah. Now, now I want a sequel episode where we see another absorb off that that absorbs so many people they grow to the size of a double decker bus. But it's not Peter K. It's Paddy McGuinness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't imagine. From what I can gather, Peter K. Probably wouldn't return. So yeah, just bring in other <laughs> Paddy McGuinnesses. Another Absorbaloff I would actually be 100% down for. That it's, sounds like the kind of thing that could feasibly happen in yeah. Doctor Who, honestly. Strange that Peter K. yeah, I know what you say. I've, I've heard him before say, maybe one of the only regrets he says he has is being in this episode of Doctor Who. But that's strange considering that he's gone for the role and he's he wrote to Russell mm. and he wanted to play this character, but maybe it's the actual episode and how little time as the Absorbaloff he actually gets on screen. But that being said, the time we have of him as the Absorbloff, he's really good. He's really fun. <laughs> he's great, isn't he? You know? There is just something so fun about that character. And I, I, again, as much as I love ELO, I also love Peter Kay. Uh, our family is a huge fan of Peter Kay. Phoenix Knight's car mm. share. Everything Peter Kay's done, we all love. Not to mention his stand-up is some of the best <laughs> in this country. Oh, it's fantastic. Well, I was so good because I had tickets to go and see his last, his cancelled tour. I had tickets to go and see it in Manchester. And then like four days later, it got cancelled. And, you know, we haven't heard from, we've heard bits from PK since. He did that lockdown car share, but that was about it. Crikey, crikey. Did you pick up on the Torchwood reference? Is it that um, the absorbable off he kind of hacked into Torchwood to get information on the Doctor. Yeah, he says, I've been looking at the Torchwood files or something like that, and yeah, goes through it like that. Yes, yes, I did pick up on it. It's not not so much an exact reference to it, but yeah. Um, It's a very funny episode, this, and I think it's it's funny, but it's not in-your-face funny. It's not like pun, 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 gag, gag, gag. It's just, this is the most absurd Doctor Who story ever, that it's funny. Yeah, but they don't treat it quite like that. It's not super big and loud the whole time. Like, my favourite kind of funny bit from this episode is when Temp Doctor appears and he asks what planet um, (laughs) he's absorbed 
Um, and he, what's the name of Sylvine Planet? Because you can actually say it. Raxacorico Fallopatorius. Yeah, and he just says, no, I'm from Clom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's like, we spit, we're not from the Slovene, we spit on them, swine. <laughs> it's great. A bit, oh, God. There's a bit in this that I really liked, and a lot of the bits I really like come from Elton. I think Mark, uh, I'm always forgetting his name, I do apologise. Mark Warren's acting, his comedic acting is great. When when him, mm. Mr. Skinner and Ursula all leave, he looks at Ursula and he says, um, we're going to go to the Golden Locus and we're going to have a Chinese. <laughs> it's just, the, just the way he delivers the line. And then he's like, Mr. Skinner, are you coming? Just walking out, but not to the Chinese, if you don't mind. <laughs> <laughs> so I found that line actually really kind of just heartwarming. Yes. Just kind of that he he's done all this adventure. Like for him, like the best thing in the world right now would to be to take this girl out for some Chinese. It's yeah. just really sweet for me. Like what? I this episode makes me smile. What did you think of the relationship between the two of them, between Ursula and um Elton? I think it's really sweet. We don't see a lot of it. And no. it's kind of even even when it cuts back to kind of Elton thinking of her and the clips, you don't really see more from them kind of smiling at each other and walking together. Yeah. They are something which, if they had more time, we would have fleshed out a bit more. But kind of as a couple, it's it's really sweet. Um, I, I would have definitely did this episode if it was a two-parter. Yeah, honestly, <laughs> like if okay, if there was like I, you know, in our last kind of uh, episode, I did say that I enjoy um, what is it called, the Satan Pit and, what was and the Impossible the Planet. Forbidden Planet, the Impossible, the Impossible Planet. Planet. That's yeah. it. That being said, if they could have squeezed that into one episode and we made Love and Monsters a two-parter, <laughs> like let's say um, part one ends with the transformation into the Absorbloff, and then part two is all kind of a World War Three style, just running from the absorb off. I would dig that. Yeah, I would have really I'd dig that. that. <laughs> it's funny you should say running from the absorb off because there's a scene in it where the absorb off is chasing Ellen, and they've done. I don't know if it is a Scooby Doo reference or if it's just a mistake that the editing suite have made. But you see him run around the same corner twice, <laughs> and it's not like they've tried to hide it because it's a the background is so distinctive. It's got like graffiti all over it. And I watched it, and I had to watch it back like four times. I was like, is that actually just... I'm like, what's going on? It's just exactly... It's not the same shot. It's a slightly lower Mm. angle, but it's exactly the same. You have a much keener eye than I do for that stuff. (laughs) Normally, I wouldn't notice it, but because I was just enjoying it so much, it suddenly just completely threw me. Um, I really like... Sorry, going back to that flashback of him thinking about Ursula. Sorry, no, him thinking about his mother. I thought that was great. And this, the shot of him oh, yeah, as a little yeah. boy on the field and then his mum walking away to the closing mm-hmm. um, section of Mr. Blue Sky. I thought it was really yeah. great. Then all the stuff with his his point of view going into like his living room and seeing the doctor, like that was really cool. That whole backstory, that whole kind of interest that he had in the doctor, I found really kind of yeah. intriguing. Because re-watching this episode, I'd completely forgotten about that whole aspect of Elton as a character, but it really fleshes him out and really yeah. kind of adds a bit more dimension to him and kind of explains why he was willing to, even though he kind of changed his mind with Jackie, um, it explains why he was willing to go that far to get those answers. 
Yeah. Uh, I should just say, before I forget, because I thought it was a really interesting note, it's completely unrelated to anything we've, uh, you were just saying, is, uh, you know, I was saying Peter Kay originally wanted to be in this episode. Well, he was originally approached by Russell to play a UFO spotter. Okay, but he so wanted to be a monster. He wanted to be a monster. But I was trying to think of where a UFO spotter would have fitted in with in this series. Uh, I imagine think... the closest thing I can think of is Wilf in yeah, but that's Series not 4. For... Yeah, that's not for another few seasons away. Yeah, I guess he would have played a character similar to that and maybe had a scene similar to what Wilf had in um, the first episode of Series 4. Yeah. Though, honestly, I'm much happier that we got the character of Wilf to fill that spot. Yeah. Um, there's hints at the future of the Doctor and Rose when Elton says, everybody's, basically, everybody's time for the Doctor runs out. Um, I can't stop thinking of when that's going to happen to Jackie and Rose. But I don't understand what he's talking about there because, you know, it's the Doctor Who. It's, it's the Doctor Who show with Rose Tyler. That's what it's called, right? Uh, yeah, after this series, they do change the title of the show to the Doctor Who show with Rose Tyler. Yeah. And, and then uh, like I believe cool, Billy. Yeah. It's got like that cool 80s the, font with Rose Tyler across the bottom. Yeah, yeah. And then we get um, a little added like variation on the theme song where after the ooh, because as a kid, I always thought that was a choir or something singing Doctor Who. <laughs> um, you then hear afterwards a da 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 da, which then my mind tracked as Weaver Tyler. <laughs> See, I can't wait. Because it, it's, it, there are lyrics, there are lyrics, just lyrics that you don't hear they're That's my true. lyrics like last of the Rain summer lyrics. wine last of the summer wine da, na, 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 na. it's last of the summer wine yeah exactly all um wallace and Gr- wait that's in the truck <laughs> wallace and wallace and gromit gromit you just have to say wallace a lot of times <laughs> There's just a lot of Wallaces and one Gromit. <laughs> I don't know why that's so funny. Just I'm just imagining them. a Wallace and Gromit short where there's a bunch of Wallaces and one Gromit just having to see all of them. It's like, Tuesday, Gromit, porridge. No, I'm just Gromit, thinking lad, of like... Get the... <laughs> I'm thinking of a recording studio and there's like a conductor at the front and he's like do, 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 do. and as he raises his hands just the little people start clapping their hands going Wallace and Wallace and Gromit I, w- I was just imagining like an episode like an actual like the wrong trousers or something but there's just like a hundred Wallaces in that house oh, that's great um, something that isn't so <laughs> something that sort of threw me a bit with this episode was the ending where Ursula is a paving slab for several reasons. It's the one she doesn't really get a say in it. The doctor just brings her back to life as a paving slab. And the second one is that it's revealed that they're having a bit of a love life. Yeah, they uh they uh they uh he kisses her on the cheek on the paving slab. That's yeah, uh, that's, that's what he's doing, isn't it? That's not what he's doing. Yeah, and sometimes sometimes they uh, do the spaghetti thing from um, <laughs> Trump. He just has Living to kind of Trump. hold... Her, he has to hold a slab up to the spaghetti. Now, is he holding it above the spaghetti? Or is he tilting the spaghetti bowl? What's he doing? 
no, what he has to do is like he kind of props the spaghetti up and then he kind of lifts a fork with a bit of spaghetti to her mouth and then she sucks it in. But it's like it's one of those cartoon balls of spaghetti where it's all just one long string of spaghetti, so mm. she can just like you know. Uh, do you have anything else to say about Love and Monsters? Um, not much. Just I really rate it. I think it's a great episode. Great episode. So with that in mind, let's do the yes. quiz. Uh, oh, three... that theme song never gets old. Never gets old. Three questions for you. The answers to all three questions are colours. Colours? Yeah, so okay. it should be slightly easy. Question number one. What colour bucket should Rose have picked up? What colour bucket should she have picked up? Not what did she pick up. What colour should she have picked up? Yellow? I don't know. I thought it was red. You're the one with the answers. I'm going to say red because we only see a red and blue bucket. And which she holding? She uses the blue one and then he says not blue and then we see a red one. Oh. So, sorry. Did you not write down the answers? I wrote red, but when you said yellow, I thought you were right. Anyway, what colour is Jackie Tyler's toothbrush when we see Elton getting changed? Um... Is it green? It is! It is green! Hey! Okay, and final question. What colour is Elton's shirt when he goes around for Jackie's for wine? Blue. It's, oh, it's purple. Ah, yeah, it's purple. So you got one out of three. Well done there, Harold. That's, that's pretty average for me. Uh, yeah, I think it is actually, yeah. It's an improvement compared to sometimes. Uh, do you have anything else to recommend? Before I go, I just want to tell you you were fantastic. Oh, yes, recommendation. Here's the thing. I do have a recommendation. Like, I remember seeing something and thinking, yes, I want to recommend that. And I've just remembered what it is. That was not me stalling. Um, <laughs> I believe that it was something that uh, my family recorded um, the night before Christmas Day. Yeah. Um, so that was a while ago now it was um, because the BBC what they usually like to do is they like to tell some kind of a ghost story or something uh, the night before Christmas and this Ooh. was a film actually made by uh, what's it called it's like called like, like a Yorkshire film company um, it might even just be called like Film Yorkshire or something I think, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you'll know who I'm talking about um, but the film is called uh, Ghost Stories it's um, it's filmed in Yorkshire. It star has a gr- great cast, British, very British cast of a uh, kind of the main two you'd know: Paul Whitehouse and Martin Freeman. Neither of them are the main character. The main character is this guy who um, hosts kind of not a supernatural ghost show, but like a debunking show where he goes around debunking kind of ghost theories and uh, kind of psychics. But then his kind of childhood idol, who did a very similar thing. And tells him, look, I've got these three stories from my career of people who claim they saw ghosts, and I never was able to prove that they were fake. So if you can't prove them fake before I die, then 
I'll have no choice but to die thinking that ghosts are real. And so it's him going to these three people, one of which is played by uh, Paul Whitehouse, one of which is played by Martin Freeman, and hearing their stories. And it's just a really cool kind of ghost anthology film. It's got some great imagery. It's got some pretty scary imagery, <laughs> and it's pretty intense at parts. Um, but it's also quite funny at parts, and it's just a brilliant tone. And then the third act, I won't say what happens, but it's something to see. It's, it does look good. I'm it's a really the... cool... Yeah, I'm yeah. looking. It's, I think on, he, it's on BBC iPlayer if people want to check that out. I mean, will it still be on iPlayer by the time this comes out, though? Um, possibly. It's what it, I don't know. BBC iPlayer is a bit weird at the moment. They're sort of keeping stuff on there for ages, and some stuff like the Fresh Prince of Bel Air's on there. I don't know why. Really? Yeah. What, what was that? <laughs> Have BBC ever shown Fresh Prince? Nah, I don't think so. It's Channel Four, I think. Really? That's weird. Um, really I, I, what I forgot to do was before we went into recommendations, I forgot to read out what everyone's opinions on the episode was. Um, I won't go for every single one, but a lot of people seem to enjoy it. You said Harry Murdoch says he'd love the monster. <laughs> um, Doctor uh, Dalek who underscore life says not one of my favourites, but I find I enjoy it every time I watch it. That Dan Purdy also liked it, and Paul over on Twitter also says he really enjoys it as well. So yeah, a lot of people seem to enjoy it. But my recommendation is something that uh, I sort of discovered. You can sort of find uh, I shouldn't really. You can get one episode legally for free on YouTube, and then maybe if you happen to be looking around, you might also come across a few. But it's also all available on BBC iPlayer. Uh, the BBC sitcom Not Going Out, which is written by Lee Mack. Um, I've always really liked it. It's just a really good, fun, light-hearted sitcom. It's not too silly, but it is very funny. Um, it, it's just a standard, perfect sitcom. It's set, the first series, the first like six seasons, set in a flat. You've got ten seasons to get through. It's great. I've not watched uh, the whole thing. I've kind of watched... The era, I think, early on, not the first series, I think the second series, when because uh, I know the first series, kind of the female lead is an American actress, isn't it? That's true. Yeah. And then they switched her out uh, for the second series. Uh, I've kind of watched a lot from that area uh, where Tim Vine is also a recurring character because he plays yes. her brother. Yeah. And that, to me, it's my understanding is that's kind of like the golden era of the show, mm. and it is just a consistently just very funny sitcom and. Uh, you don't get a lot of kind of especially in the uk you don't get a ton of um live action no live studio audience sitcoms that i can think of like there's kind of this and upstart crow and mrs brown's boys well i feel like i feel like not going out when that came out it was still the same time as stuff like my family and that but since then all that sort of stuff has sort of disappeared but not going out. It's yeah. been going for ten seasons now. It's not ten years. It's been longer mm. than ten years because there's been years where it hasn't been on. But for ten seasons, that's been going. So it's always sort of kept its roots with a studio audience. But I feel the reason we don't get a lot of that now is thanks to Mrs. Brown's Boys. What do you mean? I feel like Mrs. Brown's Boys is sort of sort of ruined that live studio audience feel of it a little bit and now whenever a new sitcom does come out with a live studio audience i'm constantly just thinking of mrs brown's boys and i don't want to because i really don't like mrs brown's boys I mean, if you're about to tell me you like mrs brown boys if you're about to tell me i just said 
I just said it's not to my taste, but it's a show which obviously has a lot of fans, makes a lot of people very happy. <laughs> but why is it on TV? If no one knows. No one knows why it's on telly. It got it got so it got about three million viewers this Christmas special of Christmas 2020. Only got three million viewers. That's pants. I mean, I don't know what usual British TV ratings are. I'm guessing, you know, it's had more. Better. It's had more Christmas specials than it has if you add every episode up across its actual seasons. Wait for real? Yeah. So it ran for three seasons, and then there hasn't been a series in about six years. But every year they just do a Christmas special, and they've just renewed it for brand new Christmas specials all the way until 2027. Seriously? Yeah, that's, that what I, that's what amazes real? me about it. Yeah, There's more Mrs. Brown's Boys Christmas specials than there are normal episodes of Mrs. Brown's Boys? Well, not said true. Let me try and find it now. Uh, yeah, th- the, the first time I saw Mrs. Brown's Boys was in 2012. And it was... Um, I was on holiday in Spain. And like the Olympics had just happened. So for two weeks... Um, the only TV anywhere was the Olympics. Yeah. And then one of the first shows I saw on TV after um, the Olympics stopped was an episode of Mrs. Brown's Boys. Mm. I don't know if it's because like I was so far from British culture or because like there'd just not been anything else on TV but sports. But when I saw that episode of Mrs. Brown's Boys, it was like, to me, and my whole family, it was like the funniest thing ever. Yeah. Like, we I, thought it was hilarious. When I first saw it, I thought it was great. But because of this constant churn out of it... So I've got a bit here. Series 1 had six episodes, 21st of February 2011 okay. to March 2011, with an average viewership of 3 million viewers per episode. Series 2, including a Christmas special, had seven episodes... Um, with around 7 million views per episode. Series That's 3... Thir- is that had, 13 or 12 normal episodes? Uh, sorry, so that's you've got 6, six plus 6 plus 1, which is 166, 12, 13 episodes so far. Okay. And then you've got... Is that... Hmm. Wait, are you counting the Christmas special there? Uh, there's a Christmas special there. I feel like I could. Be oh, well, we're not. Let's not count the Christmas. Oh, sorry, no, you're not counting the Christmas specials. Compare. That's true. Yeah. So you got so six 12. episodes in series one, six episodes in series two, series 12. three, six episodes. Okay, so and, eighteen normal episodes. Yeah. Okay. And then in two, the six, 26th of December two thousand and eleven, you had a Christmas special. The twenty fourth of December two thousand and twelve, there was a Christmas special. There was then another Christmas special, the 26th of December 2012. There was then a Christmas special, the 25th of December 2013. And then another one on the 30th of December 2013. The 25th of January 2014. The 1st of January 2015. The 25th of December 2015. The 1st of January 2016. Then there was a random special, the 23rd of July, 2016. Are you still counting? Yeah. What were you up to? 10. 10? Okay, get ready. There's then another one, the 25th of December, 
the 1st of January 2017, the 25th of December 2017, the 1st of January 2018, the 25th of December 2018, the 1st of January 2019, the 25th of December 2019, the 1st of January 2020, 25th of December 2020, and the 1st of January 2021. That's, that's 20 specials. <laughs> Do you understand right, why there's a, there's a, I mean, I don't think just the, the quantity of specials alone is a justifiable grounds there. I mean, I understand that it's not yours. You know, I respect your opinion. And I'm not saying I like the show. I'm not saying I like the show. I'm just saying there must be a reason they keep bringing it back. There must be people who do really like it. There have it, to be. I think it gets brought back because it's cheap and it's easy to make. I also think at this point, it's actually, it actually must be comforting for a lot of people, you know? No matter what happens in the year, Mrs. Brown is going to be there at Christmas. <laughs> great. Um, <laughs> Till 2027. I really like Brendan O'Carroll as well. I think he's very funny. Ugh. Outside of a show. In, in interviews, like outside the show, I think Brendan O'Carroll's very funny. Okay, what's better? Mrs. Don't... Brown's Boys or Afterlife? Oh, what was Afterlife again? Ricky Gervais's. Was that... Well, obviously, Afterlife. Okay, Afterlife so then why at the National Television Awards did fucking Mrs. Brown's Boys win over Afterlife? Uh, this is, you're, you're falling into my point. Um, the National Television Awards are voted for by the general public. So the general public are the ones who voted for Mrs. Brown over Afterlife. So there are members of the general public who like Mrs. Brown's Boys... Anybody listening to this who has listened this far through this random Mrs. Brown's Boys rant, whatever happens at this year's NTAs, even if there is a 2021 this year's NTAs, actually, it already been by the time this has come out, but prepare for next year because I want you all to vote for whatever else was on telly when it comes to the comedy category. Please. It has to be a, it has to be a targeted vote. Otherwise, everyone will vote for different things and Mrs. Brown's Boys will win because all the other votes are spread thin. Okay, so what, what do we know is going to be on? So Afterlife series... What co- I imagine, do you think Staged? I reckon Staged will be... Staged, Afterlife, um, what else? Not Going Out, possibly. Motherhood? Not Going Out, have they had... The mother, is some... Or is it, mother, is it Motherland? Motherland, it that's it. King that Gary, that's good. Series? King Gary's great, actually. Great. Let's all vote for King Gary. <laughs> King Gary, go King vote Gary. for King Gary. It's got Jackie in it from Doctor Who as well. It's fantastic. King Gary's fantastic. Yeah. Everyone go vote for King Gary for 2022. Oh, God. Anyway, thanks very much for listening, guys. Uh, we'll be back next week with Fear Hair. Um, so, yeah, come join us for that. <laughs> I'm out of breath. I've been very angry this episode. Yeah, but I've just been taking it in. <laughs> uh, thanks very much for listening, everybody. I'll say goodbye. Do you want to say goodbye, Harry? I just want to say, like, do you think if we were that like passionately angry about Doctor Who, we'd have like more viewers. I don't think so. I feel like no, people who dislike Doctor Who enough. get hated on very quickly. Yeah, it just seems like there's a lot of people online. Like I don't know any names, but there seems to be a lot of like I've channels and kind of influences who seem to have made a name for themselves primarily out of 
disliking the show. It's hard to find yeah. a Doctor Who fan who likes Doctor Who. Yeah. Like you said, you can say that for any fan base. That's true. Every That's Star true. Wars fan hates Star Wars. <laughs> it's true. No Star Wars fan likes all the Star Wars films. Oh, I almost... I don't know. Do I like... Do I like Attack of the Clones? Oh, sorry. Maybe not, I don't maybe not all Star Wars films, but everything Star Wars. No Star Wars fan is out there like, I love everything Star Wars. It's either, I like That's this true. and I That's absolutely true. hate this. And if you like it, you're dead to me. Yeah, I feel like, like to be a Star Wars fan, you, you like maybe like 10% of Star Wars and the rest of it you just either don't care about or do not like. Yeah. You like the original trilogy. You like... A, you like the ending well, you of know, episode three. Return, like Return of a Jedi is a... <laughs> anyway. Return of we'll a Jedi s- is kind of creepily. We're rambling. We'll uh, see you again next week. Say bye, Harry. Bye-bye. Make sure you subscribe to the official Bigger on the Inside podcast.